Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Senior Center. How many of you feel like you're way too close right now? You're like, this just feels like this is weird. Like, I'd rather spread out a little bit. See, the, this is a small room. And, but it works. It's nice and cozy. We, it's, it's cozy. That's a good word for it. Cozy. You know, we painted these walls. Everybody look around. You see that? We painted the walls, the trim. They've held up pretty well. I don't know how many years ago it was we painted. Um, but it was a, it was a, it was a fun time. We painted in here, painted up here. It was a lot of good times here at the senior center. Um, throwback Sunday. Um, that's basically, if you don't know what that means, neither do I. Um, we got kicked out of the building, so we had to call it something. So we went with Throwback Sunday because we were moving over here. So we're making lemonade, right? Um, uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to be here. I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 7, and uh, we're going to look into, uh, continue our series uh, this week in um, Full of the Spirit. That's um, page 862 in those Bibles there, page 862. Um, as you turn in there, uh, it is, though, we want to make the most of it, and since we're here, it is an opportunity to kind of reflect and to look back, you know. Um, it was 2014, so as you heard, 2010, 10, 10, 10, that was our birthday. That's when the Life Tree officially began. October 10th, 2010, we started in the Sharon Elementary School Cafetorium. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, it's a hybrid cafeteria, auditorium, multi-purpose room, gymnasium. It was everything, and it was great. Imagine a day like today without air conditioning. Okay, that's what it felt like in there. There was no air conditioning. We always said, you know, it was super hot in there in the summertime, and we told people, listen, our church is on fire, (laughs) literally. It was great. So in 2010, we started there. Then we were there for about four years, and then they kicked us out. Uh, they were doing some renovations. If you know the, the elementary school, they're doing some uh, putting the addition on there, and so they just said for the summertime they needed us to relocate, and so we didn't know where to go. So we asked around. The town was gracious and allowed us to meet here, and so in in 2014 we ended up here, and uh, it was an awesome time. And then the school was like, after a while, they're like, "Hey, you want to come back?" And we we're like, "No, we like it here. It's great. It's just you know a little bit cozier. The bathrooms were a little more adult sized." You know, like this is kind of, it was a little bit of a challenge in an elementary school, you know, like you just, I'll leave it there. It was just small toilets. Um, so uh, we came here and it was a little, a little scary, you know, like when people come with us, you know, I'm still worried today that there's people still at the SDA church like, wow, there's a lot of people at Life Tree today. Like, you know, it's just not us, but I'm just, I don't know. Like, who knows what's going on, <laughs> you know, um, but moving over here was like, it was interesting, you know, it's like, okay, this is a little Okay, well, we'll figure out. We'll figure out the room. You know, like I said, bingo. Come on, everybody, bingo on the wall, right? This is great. Um, you know, you got the beautiful artwork. We got paper flowers. You know, it's nice at certain times of year. They had like Hawaiian tiki masks, like decorating in here. You know, like there's just there's just something about the senior center, right? It, it worked. Um, it was closer to donuts, and you know that's a good thing. Anytime you get closer to a donut store, you can feel just the presence of God gets stronger. You feel it. It just you just sense it. It's in the air. Um, and now that we're here today, you know, it's just an opportunity to reflect. You know, it's been seven years since we started our church. Um, you know, day by day, we've we've grown up a little bit by little bit. I was talking to uh, Jacqueline before the service about that. You know, it was her first time here. She didn't do a great job singing today. Didn't Jacqueline do an awesome job singing? So what's crazy is that the last, when we were here, 
It wasn't that long ago, but Jacqueline wasn't even part of our church. It's amazing over time. And now she's singing like amazing how time changes things, right? Over time. Like some of you, how many, this is your first time ever in this building for a life tree service? Any of you? Okay, a lot of, wow, a lot more of you than I thought. Okay, quite a bit of you. Okay, first time ever here for a service. Um, along the way, you know, time has a way of changing stuff. And it's been a lot of life. Like think about where you were. It's been about a year and a half since we were here. Where were you a year and a half ago? And what was life like? Was it different? You know, where were you at in your life? What's happened since then? And it's an opportunity to reflect on where we are. You know, any, there are times in life you can just reflect and say, huh, this is where I am now. You know, and when you do that, um, it's also an opportunity to reflect where we're going. You know, we think about where we've been and where we are, but also, like, where are we going? You know, not just as a church, but where are you going? You know, where were you two years ago? Where were you seven years ago? You know, seven years ago, some of the kids in the room weren't born. <laughs> you know, seven years. Felicity, how old are you? Eleven. So, four. Seven years ago when we started the church, she was four. I can do math. Yes! It took me a minute. You saw that. But she's singing today. When we started the church, she was four. It's amazing what happens in time. Like, think about what happened in, in your life in the past few years. And what happens is that, you know, throughout life, unanticipated things happen. Like, I didn't expect to move here today. Didn't expect. It was just, this was supposed to be, we planned out the year. We didn't have moved back to the senior center for one Sunday on the schedule. It just wasn't there. But, you know, those interruptions, those unanticipated changes, sometimes they're gifts. There are opportunities for you just to say, okay, let's just take inventory. Let's just pause and reflect, right? Sometimes it gives us perspective. You know, maybe it's a new school year or it's a, a funeral. You know, Nikki and Kevin just got back from upstate New York for Nikki's grandfather's funeral. And sometimes a funeral gives you an opportunity to pause and to reflect. And sometimes it could be a wedding. Yeah, Pastor Dre is not here right now. He's driving. Please keep him in prayer. He's on his way to Ohio uh, tomorrow, he found out his dad is going to need some open heart surgery. So, major surgery for his father. They were supposed to be coming this week to visit. Now, unanticipated changes. But you know what? It's an opportunity for perspective, to pause, to reflect, to think about, wow, I'm grateful for my dad. I'm grateful for, you know, those things in our life, right? You pause. Those moments, those unanticipated things just stop you and make you think. So, today, I'm going to invite you to do the same thing to pause. And to say, where have you come from? Where are you now? And most important of all, where are you going? What's ahead for you? Are you today who you thought you'd be a few years ago? Are you where you thought you'd be? You know, are you who you thought, you know, for the adults in the room, are you who you thought you'd be when you grow up? Is this, is this what you imagined? Right? Kids, where do you want to go? You know, are you, what do you hope for? What are you expecting to be when you grow up? So I got a question for you. So let's let's just take this for just doing for just exercise for a minute. Just imagine that we're all going to walk out to our cars, okay? Now, even the kids, guess what? You get to drive. Imagine you get in the driver's side, so you open the door, right? you sit in your seat, you shut the door. What's the first thing you do? Seatbelt. Let's put them on. Everybody, click it. Click it. All right. I get your seatbelt on. Okay, what's the next thing you do? 
Mirrors. Okay, we check mirrors. So you check your rear mirror. Make sure you can see. All right, my wife's, whenever she's driving, I can tell because I'm looking straight down. You know, I'm like, goodness. And I put it, you know, I just got to move it up. All right, you get in, check your mirrors. Check your side of your mirrors. All right. Then, then you're right. Key in, right? Ignition. Turn the car on. All right. Here we go. Ten and two. You're right. We do not turn the radio on full blast. All right. We don't get on our cell phone and start texting. Right. We put that away. All right. You put it in reverse. What do you do next? You look around, right? Look behind you. Some of you stare at that little camera, which helps you just hit things softer. <laughs> all right. So you're going to back up. All right. And, you know, you don't know what those lines mean on that. You back up. All right. You crunch by a car. Here we go. Here we're good. And you put it in forward, right? You put it in drive. Well, maybe you're driving a stick shift. All right. You clutch. Look at you fancy people. All right. Putting it into first. Here we go. And off you go. And you're driving. When you're driving, where are you looking? Straight ahead, right? In front of you. So here's a question. Here's a question. How big is the rear view mirror? How big is your windshield? Okay. So, why? Why are they such different sizes? Could it be <laughs> that it's more important where you're going than where you've been? It's important to know where that rearview mirror to see what's behind you, to know where you've been. It's important, but it's more important to know where you're going. And as we sit here and pause today, guess what? History's there. We're going to consider that and say, where have we been? Right, seven years. It's been a year and a half since we've been here. You know, in your own life, you've got history, but you've also right. So you've got history, but you've got present. But let's take a look at the windshield and say, okay, where are you going? Today is going to be about windshield. It's going to be looking ahead and about one word, and the word for today is potential. What could you be? What kind of person could you be if everything God, if you were everything God created you to be? Like, what is you at peak potential? How many of you think you are right now operating at peak potential? Like, where you are, you are maximizing your abilities. Anybody? So anybody, you are living life on 10. You are, right? Uh, I was hoping there was somebody so I could take you out to lunch and find out your secret. All right. I mean, let's think about it. What's your potential? If nothing held you back, how much good could you do in the world? If nothing was holding you back, if you were living fully at the fullness of your potential. See, and the thing is, no matter if you're young or old, the windshield is still bigger than the rearview mirror. Maybe there's a lot more stuff in the rearview mirror the older you get, but it's still more important where you're going because there's absolutely nothing you can do about where you've been. You can't change it. See, the tragedy of potential is that often... What we could be is not what we are. That's the reality. We've kind of all I, I accepted that. We are not living to the fullness of our potential. So my question is, why are we okay with that? Right? Like, we've all just accepted that as normal. <laughs> the entire room, right? We just accept it. Yes, I'm not living at my potential. Okay. Yeah, that's just normal. 
It's just the way it is. That's the way it is for everybody. And that's okay. And the result is that we are less than we could be. And so today I'm going to submit that that's not okay. And it's not okay to be okay with it. That's really what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about, we're going to look at Romans, Romans chapter 7, and we're going to read from Paul. Now, Paul is Jersey. He is Jersey all the way, right? He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He is brutally honest. If you're going to ask me, I'm going to tell you, right? If, if you don't ask, I won't tell. That's okay. But if you're going to ask me, like, how y'all doing? If you're from the South, right, you know, how y'all doing? They don't really care, right? They just sugar all over it, but you don't actually care. I'm fine, thank you. Well, that's good, right? If you are from New Jersey, I don't ask. The waitress walks up and she goes, what do you want to eat? Right? She doesn't ask how you're doing because she doesn't care. Right? She's not going to play the game. Paul is Jersey, brutally honest. And he's brutally honest with himself, just like we are sometimes. We're our own worst critics, right? He's tough on himself. And uh, we're going to listen in on basically this therapy session that Paul has with himself out loud in writing, right? And what keeps him from fulfilling his own potential. Paul kind of puts his finger on why he's not fulfilling his potential. As we read Romans 7, starting in verse 15, starting in verse 15, and he says this, it'll be on the screen as well. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Anybody relate? Anybody, okay? Like, we do what we don't want to do, what we know is wrong, and we can't help ourselves. We respond in anger, and we're like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get angry, I'm not gonna get angry, Rah! right? We just do it, we can't help ourselves. We give in to impulses, I'm not gonna eat, I'm gonna go to the party, and I'm not gonna eat anything bad, right? We're like three burgers in, and we're like, oh, right? Like the taco dip was just so good, I couldn't stop, right? Impulses, we give in. We make choices we know we're going to regret. We know better and we do it anyway and we feel helpless. Verse 16, Paul says this, But I know that what I'm doing, if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, I love his logic here, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Right? I love this. Since I know it's wrong, at least I got something good going for me. I'm doing wrong, but at least I know I'm doing wrong. Hey, listen, whatever it takes to feel good about yourself. Right? If you're going to do wrong, at least say, hey, I know this is wrong. Right? At least you can admit it. But then Paul goes deep. Verse 17, he says, so I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. He's saying it's not me. There's somebody else to blame. Um, verse 18, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody? This is cathartic today. Just You can say, okay, I'm not alone. Verse 20, but if I do what I don't want to do, I love this, I'm not really the one doing it. It's sin living in me that does that. I'm so glad that's cleared up. Doesn't that make it better? Don't you feel better now? It's not you. It's sin in you. I feel like that's like a Marx Brothers routine. Anybody, you know, like, I want to do it, but I don't do it. I, 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 you know, I know I shouldn't, but I do it anyway, and I hate myself, but hey, it's not me. It was sin in me, right? I feel like, so he summarizes this. Like, you're like trying to figure it out. Verse 21, he says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. 
This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Paul is saying here, we are in the fight of our lives. Sin wants to control you. It wants to ruin you. And guess what? You lose. Aren't you so glad you came to Throwback Sunday? This is awesome. I'm telling you. The reality is this. Sin is the greatest single threat to your potential. Nothing threatens your potential like sin. It keeps you from being everything you could be. And sin, just so we're clear, is just anything that separates us from God. Anything that violates our relationship with Him. Anything that's just, that's, that, that we know that's wrong, that comes in between us and God, that's sin. It's a matter of the will, of the conscience. Don't worry, I promise this is going to get better today. It's going to end well. Okay, I had to go there and it's going to get... And here's why it gets better. Because Paul didn't stop there, but he wrote chapter 8 of Romans. And chapter 8 of Romans is awesome. Okay, so here's what we read in chapter 8, verse 1. And I'm just going to read a portion and then we're going to talk about it. And don't worry, we're going to be good. But he says this, So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So first things first. Yes, we all sin. Welcome to the club. I am the, I am in the, I do what I don't want to club. I have a bumper sticker on my car. It says, I do what I don't want to, right? (laughs) Like, I just wake up in the morning and say, okay, today I'm going to do what I don't want to, right? Like, that's me. I'm in the club, right? I, I do what I hate. I know I shouldn't. I do it anyway. Welcome to the club. And the first thing Paul says in chapter eight is this. Guess what? No condemnation. This is not cause for shame. This is not for you to feel terrible about yourself. It's just the reality of our humanity. We are broken. There are things in us that just are at war inside of us. And I know what I should do. And I just can't seem to do it. And he says, don't feel shame. There's no God is not up there going, you stink, you stink, you stink, you stink, you stink. Hey, you get it pretty good. You stink, you stink. He's not doing that. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. So let's start there. This is about grace. God understands you. He understands what's going on. He understands the, the dynamic that's going on inside you. But he won't leave you there. He won't leave you there. Verse 2. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The Holy Spirit frees you. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The law was basically saying, if you do these things, if you behave this certain way, right, you make all these sacrifices, if you kill a bunch of goats and sheep and doves and all sorts of stuff, and if you eat these things and if you follow this code, guess what? You'll get close enough that God will accept it for today and tomorrow you've got to do it all over again. And every day you've got to do it all over again. So the law was unable to save us because as much as God gave us a law, guess what? We couldn't do it. People couldn't keep up. It's hard keeping the laws. You just try and keep all the traffic laws today when you leave. Just for one day, when you drive, obey every traffic law. Full stop, every stop sign. You know the white lines around stop signs? On some of them, they have white lines. Those are optional. We call them stop right? I can just, I can roll through those. 
All stop signs have white lines. I'm just kidding. Okay. We can't do it. We're just too weak to follow laws. It just doesn't work. So God did what the law couldn't do. He sent his own son in the bodies like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, I love this, ready? God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. I'm just going to read it and then we're going to finish. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death every single time. Sin here, I'm on the road to death. Sin here, I'm on the road to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. We get to choose And here's the thing about the sinful nature, in case you don't know. It's always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. There's this sense of brokenness in us, and guess what? It doesn't go away. It's never going to get better. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, Remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Verse 10, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. I'm going to wrap it up. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Two more verses. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, I love this. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Here we go. Here's the application today. You ready for this? Sin leads to death. Every single time. Imagine a compass. Right? A compass. Right? And the compass is always pointing north. Well, sin. Right? So there... If you remember Pirates of the Caribbean, I kind of like that movie. I referenced that a couple of times. Pirates of the Caribbean. Remember the compass that Captain Jack Sparrow had? It didn't point north. He could turn around and it never pointed north. It only pointed one way and nobody knew where it was pointing. And you know what it was pointing? It was pointing to treasure. And he said, listen, this compass won't point me north. That's not what I need. It points me to the treasure and it's a magic compass and I just need to follow the compass. It will guide me to treasure. Sin is a compass. And it doesn't point north. It always points to death. And every time you walk in the direction of sin, guess what? You are taking another step closer to death. Every single time. It's got impeccable accuracy. It never fails. It's the same story. Every time we choose to sin, we take another step away from what we could be. Every time we take a step towards sin because we give in because we're weak, guess what? You're taking a step away from what you could be towards death. Every single time. It's a law. Sin always ends in death. Sin is an investment in your own demise. And we used to be powerless to change that. Don't you love the word used? We used to be. We used to be powerless to change that. We couldn't help ourselves. And perhaps today you still feel that way. Perhaps today you're like, I I just can't help myself. Can't stop doing what I know is wrong. If that's you today, I have life-changing news for you. If the Holy Spirit is in you, 
if you would be full of the Spirit, if you will welcome the Spirit to live inside you fully, you are not weak. You are not a victim. You are a conqueror who is able because the same power that raised Jesus Christ lives in you. I'm telling you, sin, I'm weak on my own. Yes, you are, but, but Jesus, period. But Jesus, period. Because Jesus, the same power, listen, he's dead, raised him back to life. You got more power than you know. You got, you got more than you need, right? You got power in your little finger enough to overcome sin. Because Jesus, It's not about you. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The God who created the heavens and the earth. The Lord of heaven's armies. Guess what he did? He declared an end to sin's reign in your life. And guess what? When God says it's over, it is over. It's over. Sin has no power over you anymore. You need to hear this loud and clear today, please, everybody. Sin keeps us from our potential. But sin has no power over us anymore. God declared it's over. It's over. If you feel powerless today, the Holy Spirit wants to change that. And He wants to empower you to be all that you could be. Can you imagine what your life will look like when you are living to the fullness of your potential, when you are able to do everything you know is right and good? There is nothing holding you back. I'm weak. I just want to give in. I'm, I'm feeling weak today. Hey, guess what? I have a solution for you, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And when He lives in you, the same power that raised Jesus lives in you. And you go, guess what? Today, I am weak, but in Him, I'm strong. How much good could you accomplish if nothing held you back? The Holy Spirit wants to do that for you, and the only thing that holds you back is you. The only thing left is for us to invite the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. Galatians chapter 5, it will be on the screen, says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Think about this. How awesome is this? When you invite the Holy Spirit to guide you, He changes your desires. He counters the brokenness that's in us, the weakness, with holiness and with power. Galatians continues, and this is Paul again. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is what it looks like. Listen. Here's the picture, ready? Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, everything about self, everything about me, everything about pleasure, indulgence, everything that just just serves my own purpose. Anger, all of those things. Does our world need more people like that? Does our world need more people who are just all about themselves? Who are all about division? Could we hand, we need more division, right? We need to separate ourselves further. See, no. Lives filled with that just lead to more pain and hurt and brokenness. Sin always leads to death. 
See, we think it looks good. We think this compass is leading us somewhere good. But we're deceived. Sin's a deceiver because the author of sin is a deceiver. And he's going to say, hey, guess what? It looks good and it looks pretty. And we're walking to it and we're walking off a cliff. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Can I tell you, that's your potential. What is your maximum capacity for love? What is the maximum capacity in you for love? Have you hit it yet? Has anybody maxed out your love quotient? You are operating at fullness of love. I love everybody with full, perfect love. How about, how about, here we go, patience. Anybody maxing out your patience? I am so patient with everybody. I have never been irritated a single moment of my life. I am just mm, so zen, so patient. Mm, you, can't, you can't get me, right? Is that you? How about um, gentle? Yeah, we're from Jersey. That one doesn't count for us. I think there's, a, there's like an asterisk that we don't have to be gentle. It's just not possible. Um, I just want to warn you, when you walk out of here today, typically whatever, I, I, whatever happens up here, whatever we talk about is going to get tested. So I'm just warning you that on your way home today, your patience is going to be tested. Your love is going to be tested. Your gentleness, your self-control is going to be tested. But it's going to be an opportunity to welcome the Holy Spirit to say, okay, Holy Spirit, in my weakness, be strong. Empower me with that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. When you know that your resolve is going to be put to the test, just say, Holy Spirit, help me. Four words, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Wherever you go today, when you're tired, when you're weak, when you're vulnerable, in your weakness, He is strong. Holy Spirit, help me. Invite the Holy Spirit to control and direct your mind. If the sin controls our mind, leads to death. But when the Holy Spirit controls us, when He directs and guards us, guess what always ends in life? So today, here's the question. What do you think about? Proverbs says, As a man thinks within himself, so he is. As you think, so you are. Romans says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In Philippians, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What are you thinking about? Let me tell you, it starts here. The battleground is up here starts here and then it makes that migration into our being but it starts with a thought when you wake up each day would you just simply say holy spirit direct my mind today when you walk into school holy spirit guide my thoughts when you sit at your desk or get in your car or your truck holy spirit set my mind on what is good today what do you think about holy spirit control my mind Put to death your sinful nature. It's a very simple law that says what you feed grows and what you starve dies. Our minds have appetites. 
You feed it gossip, guess what? It wants more gossip. You feed it impulses, it wants more. You feed it anger and resentment, it wants more. You feed it pleasure, it wants more. See, here's the thing about appetites. They're never satisfied. They're momentarily appeased, but they come back with fury and they grow. Right? Like you develop, some of you, you start off with your first cup of coffee. It was innocent. It was just, what is this? Oh, this is coffee. Hmm. Now, you are raging maniacs. You have machines at home that grind your own beans so that you can make your own blend of coffee on demand when you want it. And you have, we have, our cars have holders for our coffee, right? How many, look, how many of you have coffee in your hand right now? How many of you didn't want our cups but brought your own cups? Because your cups are bigger to carry more coffee. And if you don't drink it now, oh, the headaches, they're coming back. The body needs, I can't function. We have shirts and movements. My, like, don't talk until you give me coffee, right? Coffee first, life later, right? It be, the appetite, does, it, does, does, does the first cup of coffee is enough to satisfy? No, it's an addiction. You just want, it's an appetite. We want more. The reality is that sin is like an appetite. We get a little bit of it and we go, oh, I want. That wasn't enough, but there was a high for a moment and I want more. We take a little bit more and a little bit more. And like a, like a, like a bird following a trail of breadcrumbs right into a trap. It's an appetite and we continue to try and find ways to satisfy it and it will never satisfy. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit... I will give you living water. You will drink and never thirst again. When you have the Holy Spirit, guess what? He satisfies you forever. Put to death your sinful nature. Second Corinthians says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen, and it says we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take captive means we grab it. It means when you recognize that your mind has received a thought that you know that's not right, that's not good, that's not healthy. Don't try and ignore it. Don't try and just move on and say, oh, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about a purple elephant. You know, 